Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today I am joined by one of the students from the pricing seminar to talk about advisory retainers and perhaps a few other things. So welcome to the show. Uh, hi, Jonathan. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for spending this time with me. I'm a, a software developer and uh, I have a kind of a 20, 25 years of experience doing software development of different kinds. Uh, uh, through the in the 2000s, I was doing Java development and kind of some PHP backend work. Uh, I kind of got involved in front end work because I was working for smaller companies and they just kind of said, you know, whatever you can do, you know, help out. And it wound out, wound up uh, me doing front end work as well. So I kind of labeled myself as a full stack developer. Mm -hmm. And um, in the last 10 years, I sort of did a side hustle where I was trying to get a project to generate some income. It kind of worked. It kind of didn't work. And I I said, you know, a couple of years ago, I got to get some income. And I I started doing freelance software development. And because I had job experience um, and I had done some Android development years ago, I kind of thought I would switch back to that. And I'm now doing some Android development and doing some backend work and just doing, a, <laughs> you know, kind of like all over the place. And yeah. it's yeah. interesting because uh, a couple of years ago when I, when I decided, hey, this is, you know, this is not really as much income as I, as I was hoping for. I took a course, a consulting course, actually, uh, with uh, someone else, and it kind of worked. I, I did start making more money, but um, I, I kind of feel like it's just not, it's not working as well as I thought it would. So that's how I wound up uh, taking your course. Mm, cool. Okay, and the specific question that came up that, that sort of prompted this conversation was around a really specific lesson in the course about advisory retainers. Do you remember what that was or should we just right. talk about it? So, uh, so let me, I'm going to read what what I said there because I think that, uh, or, you know, edited kind of, yeah. and uh, just, just to give people the context. So um, you'd had a video uh, where you said, you know, you gave some examples of advisory retainers. And um, so what I said, first of all, was what I'm seeing personally in my own business is that it's more and more difficult to be uh, an expert in any technology because technology keeps changing faster and faster. So let's say I was doing PHP or Android development 10 years ago. If I focused on the so-called wrong stack, Mm -hmm. um, I, I'd be getting fewer requests for advisory retainers. You know, if I if I was using some kind of PHP platform that was now outmoded, and uh, I, I said I said like an Android as an example, I sort of focused on Java development, and Kotlin has become very popular. And I keep thinking, wow, should I switch? But you know, if you switch, you're you're kind of starting all over again. Then you're not an expert in Kotlin. Right. So. Um, I'm wondering, do people, so what I asked was kind of like one of the, my first questions was, do you take time off to retool? And if you retool, then you're, how can you say, well, I'm, you know, I'm this expert with many years of experience. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yep. could you address that, please? Yeah, that's, that's a classic one. Um, I suppose it happens in all technical fields, but obviously I'm more exposed to software development and engineering and that kind of thing. So what you are describing is um, some of those things are like platform specializations so like being a, a kotlin developer uh, or a being an android developer java or kotlin uh, would be 
would be a platform specialization. So mm -hmm. platform specialization is a type of horizontal specialization. And I don't want to get too bogged down in terms, but I think it's helpful to kind of distinguish these things. So if you just said you're a PHP developer or a, um, or like a, a MySQL optimization specialist or something like that, those are things that your ideal buyer probably doesn't even know they want, or, or maybe, maybe they have those things in their business and they don't even know it because they weren't involved in the decision to pick MySQL or PHP right. or, or uh, it's just there, right? It's, just it's there, there already. <laughs> someone, yeah. Someone farther down the food chain decided on that. It's, it wasn't like a executive level decision, but it often is an executive level decision picking things that are platforms like Android or iOS or Salesforce. And uh, so it's still a horizontal specialization. It's like a subset of it. And the difference, the distinguishing factor is that people farther up the organization are aware of the thing. So, mm -hmm. so it's, so it, it's subjective and it can be different from industry to industry. I mean, maybe, maybe there are some industries where people don't even know the difference between Android and iOS and they just think of mobile apps in general. And maybe, right. maybe that's the case. So the problem, the big problem with a platform specialization, well, let me start with the pros. The good part about a platform specialization is that when the platform is on the rise and everyone's talking about it, they're doing all your marketing for you and you right. just need to show up and people are like, we need Salesforce people. We need NetSuite people. We need Android people. And you just get swept up in the, in the, um, in the rush of the hype and excitement. So the good news is your fortunes rise with the platform. The bad news is your fortunes fall with the platform. So yeah. when 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 the buyers, the executive buyers are like, yeah, Android's not cool anymore. We need React Native or we need or we're just going to, I don't know, uh, go all in on Android, not Android, uh, Amazon. We're just going to not even going to do apps anymore. We're just mm -hmm. going to stick with the web stuff and we're going to go. Uh, flood social or whatever, you know, like whatever the next cool thing is. Oh, we need blockchain. Like, web 3.0. Yeah, web 3 or get me blockchain people. Metaverse, right? Yeah, exactly. We need to stake a claim in the metaverse. <laughs> so the thing is, you can make a career constantly chasing the top of the the um, Gartner hype cycle. And, it, and for me, using myself as an example, I just, I had time, I, like, the, my luck was incredible. Like I, I recognized that the iPhone in 2007, when Steve Jobs was like iPhone, and I was like, yes, that that's my future. I just want to play with that. That's all I want to play with. Yeah. So selfishly, I was just like, I was just like, that looks like the shiniest object I've ever seen. And, and I was right. It was the shiniest object anyone had ever seen. And mobile was like the biggest technology wave in the history of mankind. So I just got super duper lucky, but the thing was, I wasn't being clever about it. I just thought it was the coolest. And when it, when the, when it hit the top of the S curve around 2013 or so, or it was kind of like anybody that was ever going to have a mobile app had it by then, or they were just not going to have one. And all of my expertise was built into platforms like SAP or WordPress or Shopify, all the yeah. responsive mobile, all that stuff was like built in. So like, why would you need an expensive consultant <laughs> to tell you how to do it? You didn't. Yeah. So I recognized that this was happening before it was, I could tell, I could tell it was happening because I was super in touch with, uh, with the, I guess I had my, I sort of had my finger on the pulse in the business community and in the, the technology community. So as it started to, you know, as Apple releases a new phone and it's basically the same as the last phone, but with a little bit better camera and it's like, okay, this is over. 
<laughs> it's the, the, the growth is over. What are the other things? And I literally looked around and the other things that were happening at the time, um, smart watches were maybe going to be a thing. Like all the, all the mm. possible new hype things were, were smart watches, uh, ambient computing or voice computing with, uh, the, um, she who shall not be named because she'll start talking to us. Um, <laughs> and, uh, VR, a little bit of AR, 3d printing, uh, set internet boxes, of things, internet of things uh, that didn't interest me at all, but the ones that oh, didn't, yeah. but you're right that you're right. That was another one. Uh, and, uh, AI, ML, all that stuff, yeah. right. Yeah. And blockchain blockchain was starting to creep in there. <laughs> so of all those things, the one that's, I, I could have picked smartwatches and, and nothing would have happened. I could have picked, uh, you know, Alexa skills. Don't listen. Um, <laughs> I could have picked, I could have picked, uh, you know, Apple TV expert, uh -huh. yeah. right? And obviously at this point, the one that's the one, well, maybe it's not obvious, but to me, it seems like the one that's really, the, the hype has never gone down. It's gone up the whole time is blockchain. So, uh -huh. so, okay. Maybe I picked the right one. Maybe I would have picked the right <laughs> one. Maybe I wouldn't have picked the right one. I probably wouldn't have. And uh -huh. you know, that's, and at that point I was 40 something. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't want to play that game again. And it sounds, that's what I'm hearing in your voice when you say, you know, should I learn Kotlin? It's like, ugh. Like, you don't even want to, probably. Uh, you know, I don't mind learning new things. In fact, I started chasing after React Native development. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's fun, but you you come in as a, you know, kind of a beginner and you you just feel like, I don't know, maybe I, I am different or, you know, weird. I think some people have this where they're like, well, I'm starting new, so I can't really charge what my old rates. And I'm, I'm just like, oh, I'm tired of, you know, having to like start over start again over. and make excuses right. for what, you know, like, but I, I have lots of experience that I can bring to your project. You know, maybe I'm not an expert in this language, but, you know, it's just like, I feel like I'm not delivering the kind of value that I could. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, where do, you, where do I go? What else do I do? Right. right. And, and so this touches on, I think, what I'm seeing a lot of the time in your course is kind of like, wow, these people like, you know, how could I possibly deliver $50,000 of value to anyone? You know, like, mm -hmm. the, have I ever done that in my life? You know, like my in my full time jobs, I, I at maxed out around 100K per year in my salary. Mm -hmm. So 110, something like that. Well, that Im implies from what you've been saying, I think you, you kind of say like, can you give 10%, you know, if, if I can, if I can give somebody a million dollars of value then I can capture 10% of that say, so that would mean I could get hundred K out of that. Right? Mm -hmm. right. So, so maybe I was giving that company, I guess I was, I didn't realize at the time a million dollars per year of, of value right now. Yeah. I mean, when I say that 10% number, it's like, if somebody says to me, I want to make a million, a hundred thousand dollars, I'm like, mm -hmm. well, then make somebody else a million and it'll million, be easy right. to, to make a hundred, but you can, you know, it doesn't have to be just 10% of the value. So probably in a salary position, um, I, I, I don't know the average numbers, but I think, I think, uh, it's, it's a tracked number across companies, like what their average per employee revenue is or profit is. And that's a known thing. And I, I would be, I'd be a little bit surprised if you were delivering a million dollars worth of value at a 110 mm -hmm. salary plus all the other probably had other compensation as well but yeah. i guarantee you you were making them more money or deliver i should say delivering more value to them than they were paying you because <laughs> employers aren't in the habit of keeping people around who are losing the money so yeah <laughs> you were at least delivering 
at least delivering a, in their minds $110,000 worth of value for sure. And so, hopefully more, right? I, I mean, why would yeah. they just have you hanging around to give you money when it it's not getting them any money. They, yeah. They're supposed to make money, right? <laughs> it was a for-profit. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you don't stay in business long if you're not doing that. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so what, okay. So we've, I think we've defined the problem space very, very well. You've got these technical skills um, and they seem to be deflationary. Right? <laughs> you're right. I, right. So, so what do you do? So you could keep chasing the hype cycle and uh, jump from, I wouldn't jump to Kotlin, Certainly, maybe I wouldn't even jump to React Native at this point. I would, if you were going to chase the hype cycle, I'd jump to Web3 or blockchain or uh, data science. Like those are the ones where I'm seeing people just, or um, NetSuite is another one that where people, it's like they put it on their, on their, uh, LinkedIn bio and they just like get slammed with recruiters and consulting. And, but I don't, but I don't know. It, it's, it's still, it's still, to me, that is still a gamble and it's a longer, it's still a longer game. You're still going to be starting from zero. Yeah. You've got no street cred. You've got, right. <laughs> you've got skills that you know will translate because there's some patterns, a lot of patterns in software that just make sense regardless of what the platform or the language is. But mm -hmm. there'll still be a lot of landmines to learn with like say NetSuite or Salesforce or uh, blockchain or Ethereum or whatever the thing is that you're, that you're going to specialize on. So I would probably, I would right. shy away from that as people, as people start to feel like you feel, I'm like, well, there's a much more predictable thing that you can specialize in or niche down on. Terminology doesn't matter that much, but you could focus on instead of the tools, because so far all we've been talking about is tools. Yeah. So it's, it's tools that either the buyer knows about or doesn't know about, but it's tools. And that's, you know, it's kind of like a, a handyman going around saying, Hey, you know, I am so awesome with a skill saw. You wouldn't believe how good I am with a skill saw. I'm the best person in town with a skill saw. Do you need me to, <laughs> you need me to saw anything with a skill saw? Yeah, so I get that. I get that. But so here's what you flip to. You flip to do you, you know, you flip to people who need an addition on the house. And they don't care if you use a skill saw, a table saw, or a hand saw. So the things that you can build with your tools are where the value comes from for your customers or, or employers. It's no one cares about the tools. Only, okay. only, only we care about the tools. The, the buyer never cares. Well, can, about can the I, tools. can I just protest for a moment? Yeah, go ahead. So I, I understand that mm -hmm. they don't care what tools I use, but at the same time, they, they've got, you know, they got a house that's built with MySQL, and, and they're like, you know, maybe they don't even realize that. But if they, if I say to them, hey, I can build you a fast, fancy database, and it's like I come in there and I'm using Redis or something instead. And I'm like, oh crap! There's a MySQL database in your basement. I, I can't help you at all, actually, because unless you want me to completely rebuild your database, and I'm like, whoa, hold on, we don't want to rebuild the database. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, it, but you're still thinking about it from a tool standpoint. So you just pass okay. on the client. Like, there's so you, you pass on the client. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay. So the but they but still you wouldn't know that until later you wouldn't care maybe you'd right. find that out in discovery but you're but you're definitely thinking about it still from a scope standpoint so okay. and that's completely normal so when so so if we say let's pick um let's pick a can you think of a group of people that you're in so yeah <laughs> it, it could be you know yeah you you're, you're <laughs> i mean this is from the course right it's like it's like who do you know it's know? not just from the course, it's from 30 by 500 too, which I've also taken. I had have so much trouble with this 
because uh, so what I did was I originally picked Android development. <laughs> I was like, okay, group of people that I know, and they must make money, right? So hopefully it's someone professional, right? So professional categorization. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, Android development. Mm-hmm. And I took a look around and I was on the web and I, you know, I'm looking for the, the usual kind of watering holes Water where they hang out. Boy, I just like, I really didn't like what I was seeing. I just felt like, boy, this is just not a, a group of people that I want to hang out with. They were kind of, you know, sometimes you see posts on Stack Overflow where somebody posts some garbled message that they're confused about something. I was like, Ah, you know, how could I even talk to this person? I, mm-hmm. I don't even know how to respond. Right. So I, I, tr- I did try that. And I, I also sort of said, okay, I, maybe I can't do Android. I'll do full stack. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went down this road of trying to do full, like full stack developers. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I ran into the problem again. Like I, I just, I was having trouble finding uh, groups of people who I felt like I could deliver you know, value to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's when you, uh, so let's, let's broaden that out conceptually because not, not everyone listening is a software developer. It is yeah. pretty common when you go through this exercise that people are like, well, I know people like me. So what could I sell to people like me? Mm-hmm. And, and that's a perfectly reasonable approach, but it usually involves a pretty big identity shift or, or skill shift because the things, and if we zoom back in on software developers, software developers, the kinds of things that software developers will like throw money at you for are more leads <laughs> yeah, okay. if they're freelance yeah. or higher salary if they're in-house. Mm-hmm. Another thing that they will sometimes pay for that probably the next tier down is training and tools. So, okay, yeah. right. So you can create tools and training for them and that's like a pretty easy sell. So they could be books or courses or whatever. And, and of course, as soon as I say that, I'm sure you're, you've seen a million people selling training and tools and yeah. uh, whatever it is, it could be IDEs, it could be plugins, it could be, um, you know, plugins for an IDE, it could be, <laughs> you know, APIs that do certain things. Yeah. Uh, it could be, or, you know, more likely you've probably seen tons of people being like, here's how to get more leads for your freelance software development business, or here's yeah. how to negotiate for a better salary at Google. And the, that's the stuff those people buy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I bought your course, right? I mean, I'm yeah. trying to <laughs> right. trying to improve my, my income. <laughs> yeah. That group of people, that group of people is looking around and they're saying exactly what you're saying, which is like, I'm not getting any younger. These kids coming out of college are way better at, or boot camps are way better at this new cool thing than I'll ever be because I don't really care. <laughs> and they're all excited about it. And you know, I'm not, I wouldn't put it that way. I honestly don't think that what I'm seeing is any better than what I'm doing, but uh, they're cheaper for sure. Right. Yeah. They'll, they'll sleep on a couch and eat pizza. Yeah. So uh, certainly, yeah, I'm not pointing fingers at you directly, but I hear it a lot. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like a dinosaur or, you know, I can't keep up. There's a... yeah, It's like you're the COBOL developer, right? When I got started <laughs> with Java, I was like, Oh, those COBOL developers, they never trained up to Java, right? I'm like, yeah, now you're the COBOL developer. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, you can still make good money as a COBOL developer. But I, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, okay. So what do you do? You focus on delivering value and not on the the, the table saw. Yeah. So how can you deliver value with all of these skills that you're awesome at, that you've built up over the years? There's no need to, like, I'm a PHP guy. It's like... Like I'm a web one person at heart. I'm a web one hippie mm-hmm. and I never, I never dug web two and web three is it, it, whatever. I don't even want to talk about it. So, <laughs> yeah. so 
if you but these tools you know my my table saw might be crusty and, and old and not the the fanciest model but man do i know how to use it man do mm -hmm. i know how to use it and so what do i want to use it for i want to use it for delivering value to customers or clients so what do clients need and it's like well it depends on what client so you have to decide not you i'm saying to everybody including you mm -hmm. if you want to pivot away from the tools you have to decide who you want to help and there's a lot of different ways to define that segment of who you want to help. It could be a type of business like dentists. It could be a demographic specialization like a, uh, sorry, demographic niche like um, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies or, or CTOs of, of pizza chains or uh, it could be, well, even more demographic, but probably not for software people. No, actually, I take it back. I know some, a software person who's has this as a niche market. Uh, pregnant women, you know, that's like, you'd be hard to find something more demographic than that. And build build a SaaS for, for pregnant women who are trying to track things. Or, um, or in the case of like a pizza chain, like let's say, let's say there was someone in your family who ran a small business or you know, chain of pizza places or laundromats or something. And okay. you have a conversation with them like, hey, how's business? And like, oh, it's great or it's terrible. And, and either way, even if it's great, they're going to have problems. What are the problems? Mm -hmm. Oh, we can't keep up with demand. Okay, well, what? Do, or if it's not great, what are the problems? Oh, the machines keep breaking down. Or we can't, or, you know, people keep calling out sick, you know, mm -hmm. um, whatever the things are. And then, you, and then, and those are the problems. Like the things that are on their mind, that are keeping them up nights, like their biggest problem is their biggest problem. Even if you, I don't know, audited their code base or walked through their, their uh, retail stores or their chain or their factory and you saw bigger problems, it doesn't matter. The problems that are that are on their mind are the ones that they care about. Okay. So like if you went into a, I don't know, an accounting firm and there were 40 people there doing everything still on paper, like there's not a computer in the place. <laughs> And you're like, um, you're crazy. You're yeah. crazy. But you're like, yeah. no, it's fine. We like it's it. It's like great. This. Yeah, I know. Our Excel spreadsheets. Or... Yeah. Our, right. Our real problem is X, Y, and Z. Whatever the client says their real problem is, is their real problem. Right. Sure. Do, yeah. It's a waste of time to try and convince people that they should pay you a ton of money to do something that they're not aware of. They don't care about. about. Yeah. Okay. So, so through conversation with people who are, probably business people, probably, you know, ideally running a business through conversation with people like that, you find problems and what you're mm -hmm. looking for is a really expensive problem. So I, I can give an example. Okay. Recently was talking to someone who uh, ran a, it was like a maintenance company. So they, so they were like a, you know, people like, um, like a food court at a mall or uh, Taco Bell would hire these people regionally to go in and clean like their hoods or, you know, mop the bathrooms, you know, you know, all that stuff, mm -hmm. just like a maintenance company, yep. you know, if they needed to have some, something painted or whatever. And, and so this person that I was talking to, he had some employees, but mostly he had this network of contractors that did the individual different things. And he was sort of a middleman between Taco Bell and a, a bunch of people who drove around in trucks with tools. And, oh, okay. and business was really picking up. I don't know if, I don't remember, I don't know if it was COVID related. It probably was, mm -hmm. but he was slammed. He, he had so much business. He didn't know what to do with it. And it was, and so he's got these contractors who were going out and saying they did stuff 
but they're not his employees. And like, how does he believe them? And he, and he has reason to believe that sometimes it's not true what they say. And then on the other hand, he's got, you know, so he's got all these people who he he needs to pay. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's got on the other end, he's got Taco Bell who he's so busy. He doesn't, he, he's like not sending out invoices on time. And in fact, (laughs) he's sending invoices so late that people are like, we're not paying this. This is like from three months ago. Okay. <laughs> so the money's gone because he had to pay the contractor so they wouldn't go to the next job. And now he can't invoice Taco Bell. And I was uh-huh. like, well, how often does this happen? And he said, I'm losing at least $40,000 a month of just uninvoiced work. What? That's crazy. Right. <laughs> right. But he's running around so fast. He and, and of course, he's running the whole business on one single Excel spreadsheet. So, oh, my God. <laughs> right. So it's like, all right, well, you know, we we can definitely solve this for you. You know, I was working with a, a student. I wasn't going to do it. I was just in on the sales call. Okay. And it's like, like yeah, we absolutely 100% can solve this. Like we we eat bre- like this kind of problem, we eat it for breakfast. Do you okay. think the guy cared if it was Java or Kotlin or Android or, you know, none of that. No. Nope. None of that mattered. <laughs> none of that mattered. So you could come in just as a person who is an organized thinker. And not even build software and probably just as an outsider who who thinks of things in a systematic way as a developer would. And you could just come in and be like, all right, first of all, here's here are three options. Option one, we just make this spreadsheet better. <laughs> you know, because first of all, <laughs> if they if they just moved it to a Google Sheet instead of a static Excel file on somebody's desktop, <laughs> yeah. it would already be a giant improvement. Okay. <laughs> Then if you, you, you know, you could do a bunch of things, whatever, we don't have to go into the solution, but you could put Fresh a bunch books of books. Right, yeah. There's a million things off the shelf that yeah. you could do. Yeah. And there would be, it would be a pain for them, especially if they're, you know, running a hundred miles an hour and everything's on fire. You could probably, yeah. you know, there's it'd be a lot. Hire a dude. I mean, hire somebody. If you're losing 40,000. <laughs> right. So in the sales call, that was one of the, that's one of the things that I usually ask on a call when we're talking about potentially building software when I, when I'm, uh, you know, doing my, like, why do this at all? Why not just hire somebody? And Mm -hmm. the answer, the answer I want is that they, the the answer I really want is them to say, well, we're, we have so much business. I'm positive. We could 10 X the business, but I can't hire 10 times more people. Mm -hmm. If we could just, this is a bottleneck that's holding us back from like doubling our revenue or tripling our revenue. And I wouldn't be able to hire and train people fast enough. It would just be more people with the spreadsheet on their desktop. And, you know, and yes, it's been overwritten. And yes, people change things in the wrong field. And then we send out the wrong invoice or like, you know, whatever. There's yeah. no audit trail. There was nothing. So, yeah. So they're like, no, we couldn't hire that for reasons X, Y, and Z. It wasn't money. It was like, uh, we. I don't want to manage that many people. I need something mm-hmm. that's going to scale uh, non-linearly. Like, okay, that's the answer I wanted to hear. So option one could be just make a better spreadsheet, move it to Google Sheets or FreshBooks or whatever, or, or Google Sheets with an integration of FreshBooks or Airtable or yeah. anything that's shared mm-hmm. off the shelf everywhere. And then the whole the whole engagement would be about training the people, migrating the people to new software and training the people on the new new process. It's not even new software. It's just off the shelf stuff. Can I, can I just break in? So th- this is all great. Uh, if you say to the person, hey, you know, there's this thing called FreshBooks or whatever, right? And you're like, mm-hmm. so this is your option. And he goes like, oh, FreshBooks, somebody told me about that. Thank you very much. And you're like, okay, guess we're done here. You, yeah. you kind of like, you delivered value. 
uh, but you really kind of can't charge for it at that, at that point. Is it really like, like you said, like you really needed, that person needed the help so bad that they didn't even know where to go. So the engagement turned into, you know, helping them get that all set up. That, yeah. that was, so that's it's, literally the way it works. Well, that's a, I mean, it's a fair point, but in theory, but in practice, it, that never happens. So hmm. if, if the, if all the person needed to do was hear of fresh books, then there wasn't really that much value. You didn't really add that much value. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, because, yeah. like, oh, wow. Yeah. I never heard of that, but they did. Hear of it. <laughs> they they do know that things exist. Okay. But it, there's this giant fear of like, well, this is the, the devil we know is better than, you know, <laughs> you know how that what if we oh in, in fact in this in this situation they had tried something else and went back to the spreadsheet wow yeah. must have been really bad <laughs> yeah it was I, I think someone made a bunch of promises that were uh, i think a salesperson mm. made a bunch of promises that weren't actually uh, true <laughs> so oh. okay. so that was a nightmare so they had that in their back pocket um so anyway if you if you can solve somebody's problem in a half an hour phone call or an hour long phone call then you know it's then great then they're gonna love you but yeah did you did you give away your expertise for free yeah but the odds of that i, I can't think of a time that's ever happened to me okay I, think, I can think of one time when somebody it wasn't the exact scenario but i can think of exactly one time when somebody i got on a phone call with somebody and they're saying like uh, he he had this desktop thing it didn't work great on the phone so he wanted to talk to me and then as as, as i was talking to him i was like well you know it would you want it to do this or that or the other and he's like he's like nah really they can just call me <laughs> and i was like well okay but you know the technology is such that it's not that hard for it to go to a database or trigger a email or sms and all this like fancy stuff and he's like yeah i don't know it doesn't really matter and i was like why i i'm like i was like i'm having a hard time understanding why we're talking he's like oh my brother-in-law told me that I, oh. there's things you could do that would make it a lot better and i'm like ah, i see but you don't really care he's like yeah i don't really care i was like well, why would you then don't hire me just leave it the way it is don't stop yeah. listening to your brother-in-law like in 15 years that's the only time that's happened and it's a little bit different than what you said but i mean if you said to somebody well you know if you just put this in Airtable and use Zapier to connect it to FreshBooks, it'd be a hundred times better. And he'd be like, are you speaking English? <laughs> so, uh, so there's always, there's almost always going to be value there, you know, for, for someone who almost, <laughs> almost just being an outsider is enough because you're not, your hair's not on fire mm -hmm. and you're a, 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 you and anybody who's building software I mean, we're creative, but we're also, we also have to wrestle with facts and logic and, uh, and like the way things work, the way things mm -hmm. actually work. So it's generally, generally more organized thinkers. And we're aware of a vast landscape of integrations and automation and just general capabilities. Even if we're not aware of it, we're like something like this must exist. I'll just yeah. go find it. So that, that someone who maybe um, manages people who drive around in trucks, they're just not paying attention to that. They're not paying so, attention to those things. Yeah. So so what, what you just discussed brought to mind two other questions that I've had when I've been reading your content. Mm -hmm. One of them is, um, so how, on average, you're describing a case where somebody, I assume, has come to you for advice or like, like they've told you, or is it you approaching them? It's a mix. It depends. So there's you, a mix. Yeah. So, so sorry. How how many? Is it like a two percent 
sort of conversion rate that you get. Like, so you talk to a hundred people and two of them turn into actual, you know, hey, they paid me. Is that? Yeah, it totally depends. Do you have some idea? I don't know. Maybe you don't have an idea of how, how often it converts. It totally depends on the situation. It depends on how good your marketing is. So mm -hmm. if, if your marketing game is terrible and you're not getting any referrals, then mm -hmm. yeah, it's probably, it's probably not even 2%. You're probably, mm -hmm. you're probably smiling and dialing, uh, 200 phone uh, numbers a day mm -hmm. to get three calls to convert, you know, 0.5. It, it's probably terrible. Okay. Okay. So, you know, and that's where you get these kind of like emails where English is obviously not the first language yeah. with like 10 <laughs> links to like, look at our portfolio. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's not a great way to be. That's why, um, the, f the first step up from smiling and dialing, which does work, it does work, but it's just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's like soul sucking and the percentage is super low. Right. It does work though. Uh, the next part up from that is referrals. So reaching out to your network, friends, family, past employers, past clients, and just saying, Hey, I'm helping people. I'm looking to talk to people like this about improving their business in this particular way. And you know, that that's like, a, I'd make it more specific, you know, you sort of fill in the blank Mad Lib style, like whatever the, those sorts of right. people are and whatever the particular way is. And do you know anybody? And they're, <laughs> The network being what it is, network effects being what they are, they almost definitely do know somebody. If you're specific enough, they're almost definitely going to know someone. And if they trust you, which they do, because they're your friend, family, or wherever you have a relationship with them, mm -hmm. then, and they know this other person that they're friends with or colleagues with, then there's this inherited trust that at least gives you the benefit of the doubt to have a conversation about whether there might be a good fit for someone like you to solve a problem like this. And so you can do a decent job with... Uh, you can, you can drum up business pretty quickly, or I should say the fastest way I know to drum up business is to do something like that, where you get the ball rolling. So you, at least you've got some cash flow to keep the lights on, um, by getting kind of specific, more specific, the better about the kind of people you want to talk to and what you want to talk to them about. And so then the next level up from that would be actually doing some marketing. So like going out and helping people for free at scale so that, there's a increased awareness of your expertise in the marketplace. And then, uh, sorry, what did you mean by at scale? At scale would be doing it at a, a highly, in a highly leveraged way, like on social media or blogging or the mailing list. I see. Not, not one-on-one -on -one phone calls. You're okay. I got it. Got it. Yeah. So if you've got, so if you, if you went through this, this phase, if you went through these phases and I'm not saying you need to do all of these, but like if mm -hmm. someone listening has just got nothing coming in, right. then doing the smiling and dialing is a place to start. If you can, if you can make yourself do it, um, the next level up the referral thing, people have an easier time with in general, but you need to be specific about who you want to talk to or the, or your friends and family and colleagues won't have a Rolodex moment. Right. So you have to be specific about that which is a hurdle because people don't want to be specific about that or they think they can't think of anything like that <laughs> or they think like, oh, but I don't know anybody or the only people I know are like Methodist church people and they don't have any money and, or, you know, stuff, you get stuff yep. like that. Yeah. And it's well, like, I'm kind of in that position. I, I feel like, I, you know, like, you know, okay, I'll focus on people who run cafes. Like, why, why would I do that? Like, I, I don't know. I, I like going to cafes, right? I'm sure you get people like that who are like, how, what, how do I decide? Don't make me decide, <laughs> you know? <laughs> See, right. <laughs> right. right. So I try to de-risk that, that decision by reminding people that it's not permanent. 
it's it's for this you could think of it as like a three to six month campaign where you want to get really familiar with what it takes to run a cafe and and is it true that you could perhaps pick a niche that doesn't need any skill that you have yeah that's true it is possible mm -hmm. so you know you but you can't not explore it like there's no it's not you're not gonna figure out the answer no one figures out the answer by thinking harder because the answer is just not, it's not in your brain. It's not in there. There's no yeah. sense looking for it. You didn't lose your keys there. So yeah. don't look there. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, what's yep. that joke? What's that joke? You yeah. Know? He's looking under the lamppost because he's like a, a guy walks up to him and says, why are you looking under the lamppost? He's like, I, I lost my keys. He said, Oh, or they're, they're somewhere around here. It's like, no, they're over there, but there's light here. So <laughs> the light's better here. Right. Light's better here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Right. Yeah, you don't want to do that. So you just can't, there's certain things that the answer's not in your head. So thinking about it harder is going to produce no results. So at a certain point, at the very beginning of people's marketing journey, it's always the same. It's always the same. It starts with conversations. It's always the same. You have to have conversations. You say conversations. So do you, do you get people who like just go out and they actually talk to people in person? Because I have yep. thought about that. COVID's not good for this. Right. But I have thought about like, oh, I live in this area. There's a lot of businesses around. I should just go in. I'll walk in, walk in off the street and say, hey, can I talk to the owner? Sounds completely nuts. Like who's going to talk to me, right? It's, that would be crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, first I want to I want to broaden the definition of conversations a little bit. Obviously, okay. or, or yes, for sure. It can be in person. It could mm -hmm. also be online. It could also be um, lurking in watering holes. But yeah. you, you need to hear what you're what you're at least for the time being chosen target market is talking about what they're worried mm -hmm. about, what they're thinking about, what, emo you know, you look for emotionally charged language, whether, it, whether you're talking to them in person or you're lurking in a, in a forum where they hang out, look for words like hate, love, dream, uh, despise, crazy, you know, these kinds of things where people are, are, are really either, uh, want something really bad or they hate something a real lot. And mm -hmm. then, and then you look at those things and you're like, could I help with those things? Maybe the answer is no, maybe the answer is yes, but okay. But back to your, your, wouldn't it be crazy to just go knock on doors? I've got two stories to tell you about that. Okay. With cafes and restaurants specifically, it, you know, pre COVID of course, but you know, I suppose it's coming back hopefully. Um, when I started working from home and the kids got to be a certain age, I was, you know, pretty much my routine every day was go to Starbucks and I'd mm -hmm. sit there for a while and have coffee and work, work, work. And then I'd go over to um, a restaurant that had Wi-Fi after breakfast and I'd sit there for a yeah. while. And that, that was my office, Starbucks and then like McBride's. Uh -huh. So from like, uh, I guess it would be about 2.30 to 4, there would be a reasonably steady stream of people walking in saying, can I talk to the manager? <laughs> non it's like, it wasn't nonstop, but it was like every day someone would huh. come in and they'd be selling ads for the local magazine. It would huh. be someone who wants you to try a new vodka. It was someone who, you know, the Cisco guy that's like wondering if you need anything, you know, oh, I want to tell you about these new beef tips we've got. <laughs> it was like part that sh like after lunch rush before prep for dinner is when the salespeople would all come in. Okay. And it, and, and like you, the first time I saw it happen, I was like, you know, the, you know, person, comes up to the person, big smile, you know, dress nicely, comes up to the bartender and say, Hey, is the manager in? And in my head, he's going to say, what do you want or no? Right. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, hang on. I'll go get her. 
And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's my response too. <laughs> right. <laughs> what but the heck? <laughs> over and over and over. It just, so first of all, you know, and it's probably different with different businesses or maybe it's not. Um, so th- I'm just, I tell that story to kind of reshift people's expectations about, about that complete on the doorstep hat in hand cold call. Like there are people whose only job is to go around to restaurants and sell them more beer. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a thing. Another story. So I have a friend um, who woke up one day getting ready for work, broke down in tears as he was tying his Chuck Taylors and was like, I can't go. I hate this job. I can't, <laughs> I can't go in anymore. And he quit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he's like, now what am I going to do? And he was a web guy and he had a friend that was also a web guy. And so they started an agency and, <laughs> and he wrote, he hand wrote a letter. I, in my memory, it was like 40 or 50 letters about like, Hey, I'm a web guy. Just started a new agency around the corner from you. And I'd like to talk to you about working on your website. And he took that letter and he slid it under every door in the area and he got a ton of business. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And, and like agency massive success. So, you know, eventually over time they pivoted into other things, but, but, um, and got more and more specific. They ended up going into a really, really deep platform specialization that has been very successful, but it all started handwriting these letters handwritten like like on the front of the envelope no stamps lit under the door so okay so so this sounds really like a different category of person like you initially had had described some guy who's like his hair's on fire right he's he's got like emergencies he's not going to take the time to read something from a guy who's selling a website right he's like i have so many problems so how do you how do you get the attention of that guy as opposed Mm -hmm. to like oh there's a manager here they're like playing solitaire on their computer, you know, in the back or whatever. So you, yeah, they, they don't care about being interrupted. What about, what about this guy whose hair is on fire? How do you, how do you get his attention? Well, so the, the problem is you don't know whose hair is on fire when you're sliding the envelope under the door. So, right. Right. So it could be that they're, uh, it could be that they're like, oh, this came at the perfect time. I'm so glad you reached out. My hair is on fire. Or yeah. it could be like, geez, I don't know. I mean, I, our website is, you know, we've got a webmaster and it's kind of fine. But, <laughs> you know, tell you can tell me about what, what you do anyway and I'll just keep it in mind. So you, you don't really know. So you okay. can't decide how to reach out to any individual because you don't know whose hair is on fire and who's not. Okay. And so you kind of have to pick the one that is the most comfortable for you and just go for it and... Um, but so that's, but that's with cold outreach with cold outreach. You've got no information. Um, I know of one person who is a professional salesperson who will do some digging first and kind of, you know, he he would, he would say air quotes, spy on the company and like really research Mm -hmm. them, but you're not going to do that. Most people are not going to do that, but so you're just, it's a numbers game. You every day you contact 200 more people every day, you contact 200 more people every day, you contact 200 more people. And I'm not, I'm not saying spam people. I am saying reach out to people with a specific relevant message that you believe would be a value to them. And don't send like 300 paragraphs. Just say like, Hey, I do this. I saw in your profile that you do that. I've helped people like this before, or I'm pivoting into this space and I'd love to set up a 15 minute chat. It, it's like three sentences. Not, I don't even think that was three sentences, <laughs> but let's just say it's three sentences and then people can say no thanks or, um, yeah, let's do that. A shocking number of people to, to people who think like you and I, a shocking number of people will be like, here's my phone number. Let, I, let's jump on right now. Huh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's not a, it's not the majority, but it, to me, it's a surprising number of people will jump, just jump on a phone call with you. So 
so you know is it my is outreach like this my favorite um no do uh, do i enjoy doing it no do i even recommend doing it well yes if you need the money but i would much prefer that people do a gardening model instead of this hunting model so this this outreach like this is a hunting model you're going out with your spear because you're hungry and you are really hoping to come back with a buffalo right and that that model can work like i said it can work it's not it's not constitutionally aligned with me i much prefer the gardening model where every day you tend to the garden every day you tend to the garden every day you tend to the garden and six months later tomatoes start popping up and then 12 months later you're drowning in tomatoes so okay. if you if you you know you, you sometimes starting out people have to do a combination of both just to keep the lights on so the the so there's the so two stories about so those were two stories about cold outreach specifically to restaurants um, if you come across someone whose hair's on fire, uh, I don't know if this is useful information, but usually when someone's hair is on fire like that, the, the hard part's going to be you, you caught them at the right time. You got them on the phone. They, they, they gave you a half an hour, 45 minutes to tell you the story about the spreadsheet or whatever, but their hair is still going to be on fire and you're going to really have to chase them to, to move the, the deal forward because mm -hmm. they're just, it's because they're just, it's get pulls, they get sucked back into the fire. Yeah. And it's like, hey, let me know when you want to do something about this. You know, I've got I've got a, a proposal I could send over, you know, if you if I could get back on your calendar. It's it's a it's a that's where a salesperson really comes in handy because they can chase these people who have hmm. really expensive problems but don't have enough time to really talk to you. Okay. But, but the best, is, you know, and then sorry. So that's the hunting model and then the referral thing where you you shake your the tree of your network. And look for people. Hey, do you know anybody exactly like this? I want to talk about them. Like, I want to talk to them about this thing, whatever the thing is. And yeah. you'll, you'll get a bunch of phone calls from that. It's it's um, probably a little bit more likely that you would have a higher conversion rate with that than with the, you know, if you send out 200 emails a day, maybe you get a half percent of uh, ultimate conversion. Maybe the referrals thing, it's a little bit more relevant and warm. So maybe the percentage is higher, like 2%. Um, and then uh, the gardening thing is much more reliable, but it's it's a longer game, obviously. Like the, that's why I use the gardening metaphor. Like you don't plant the seed and be like, "Where's the tomato?" <laughs> yeah. What happens if you had mentioned like a three to six month kind of timeline to see if your market or what your your approach is kind of working, your niche, you know, your focus? Uh, like, since it's really hard for someone like me to go like, I'll, I'll just. You know, like I don't have anything obvious, any obvious reason to be like this market or, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people are like that. They're, they're like, I, I don't know. I worked in this weird company for a while. You know, it, it's not, not something I can say I worked in the restaurant industry or something. Right. right? right. So, uh, you know, suppose I, I said like tomorrow I'm going to focus on cafes and then like for three to six months, I worked on that, you know, writing blog posts or trying to kind of like find out where they gather online. And I, I just don't have success. I'm not, you know, it's not getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. What do you do then? You then turn around and say, hey, I've decided to specialize in, you know, X, Y, Z instead, my dear relative. Anybody, you know, anybody like that? Is that what you do? Is that sort of, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm risk, I'm not super risk averse. I'm just trying not to like spend three to six months and then like, nothing's working and start all over again. <laughs> well, if you it's, don't do anything, it's not going to work. That's for sure. Well, you know, I can, I can keep, doing my my contract work and it's that's mm. demoralizing <laughs> yeah so so the nice thing about the the referrals stuff 
is that it, you know, the, doing work like we do is, it's a service business. You're in service mm -hmm. of your clients. Like you're mm -hmm. supposed to serve them. You want to make their lives better, their business yeah. better. So it actually feels really good if you approach it that way. A, a lot of people feel like they're, they are approaching it as a, almost like a Trojan horse, like, like, oh, you know, it's like on the surface, it's all, hey, I want to help you. But underneath, it's like, how am I going to get your money? You know? Yeah, exactly. I've, right. I've totally, I've been on the receiving end and I'm sure I've seen other people do it. It's just, ugh. Right. You, you have to, you have to like purge your mind of that. Like, so, yeah. so with the, with the family referrals one, or even, even outreach on LinkedIn, you need to genuinely come to it with this posture of service. Like you just have to trust that at some point this is going to turn into somebody knocking on my door or somebody saying, Hey, why don't you tell me about what you offer? But you, as you're doing it, you can't be thinking, maybe I'm going to sell to these people, or maybe this is like, uh, maybe this is a potential client. It's research and they're helping you with giving insight into what their mindset is. And you would make, you would have to, they would have to beg you to take their money. Like mm -hmm. you're not there to sell, you're there to learn. So they're okay. going to share their expertise with you. And if you can share your expertise with them, then it's a trade, you know, that's the trade. And, you know, if it's like, oh, why don't you try FreshBooks? And they're like, oh my, you know, the heavens part. And they're like, oh, <laughs> why didn't I think of that? What is this FreshBooks of which you speak? So it's the trade is knowledge. So you're just meeting with these people not to sell them right now and maybe never sell this person, but mm -hmm. you're creating awareness in the marketplace and you're building empathy for where they're coming from. So you're understanding that what what uh, what it is that they're up nights worried about, and then you can take that information and put it into your marketing. You can go into watering hole. You can you can the conversation could be around where do you folks hang out to talk about talk shop? You know, maybe it's a trade association website, maybe it's a forum, maybe it's a subreddit, maybe it's mm -hmm. um, maybe it's a conference. But but they do it somewhere. You know, right. it could it could be the local Ugh. chamber of commerce. They do it somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so you might find this stuff out and be like, you know what? I don't want to go to chamber of commerce meetings. I'm going to, I'm going to, I had, I had three or four potential target markets. I'm just going to go to the next one because I've talked to three people in this one and, uh, they all are, uh, there's, there can be a, a variety of reasons why you would rule out a target market. Uh, Wait, so, so sorry, we've got like three minutes left, I think, but you, you said, um, you just said like I've talked to two, you know, three or four people in this market, and it's it's not leading anywhere. But that's clearly not a three to six month kind of thing. Is are you speaking of different scenarios well, here? It, it's not usually that. It, like if you did talk to three people and they were all like, "No, we all use this the four hundred pound gorilla." You know, we all use Netsuite and it's fine. <laughs> you know, if you do three people in a row, I'd be like, Arr. But usually you don't talk to three people in a row that are that are going to give you all the same answer. But if if that mm -hmm. did happen, then I'd be like, yeah, okay, there's nothing here, you know. Mm -hmm. Or if you found out that there was some there was some something about the space, you know, like I've heard plastic surgeons are just super cutthroat. <laughs> no pun intended, I guess. But um, <laughs> but super super competitive, uh, and niching down on plastic surgeons would be hard because them hearing that you worked with another plastic surgeon is a big negative, okay. which is not not usually true in any other. It's actually not true in any other industry I've ever encountered. Mm -hmm. um, but I have it on good good uh, faith from someone who's in that space that that it just would not work. So okay, okay so. Uh, in general, what happens is you talk to maybe six people and you're lucky if you see, you're lucky if you see a really strong pattern because you can either 
double down or cut bait, you know, you can either go, go harder into that space. Cause you're starting to, you're starting to smell something. You're like, Oh, Oh, I see a pattern that I could probably help with. And then you can investigate mm-hmm. that, go down that rabbit hole with the next three, three to six people from the space. Or you can be like, wow, I talked to three to six people and every single one of them is just like, you know, like fundamentally opposed to the idea of software or fundamentally opposed to the idea of consultants or fundamentally opposed to something that, that you would, that would be part of your offering. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you be like, all right, maybe this was, maybe this was bad. You know, maybe this, maybe you find out that the industry is in decline and all of them are looking for ways to sell the business, <laughs> you know, so it could be something like that. But usually it's like you see a couple of patterns, maybe one kind of stands out and then it gives you a little bit more to drill into. Maybe they tell you about a watering hole or a conference or a meetup that you can attend. You're just looking for clues. You're like Columbo going around being like, can you help me understand like how come nobody uses like uh, off the shelf software and everybody's using Excel spreadsheets and, you know, go into that kind of a uh, kind of an approach, you know, where it's it's not it's a long game. And in fact, the this step is the step that everyone wants to skip over. They just want work. <laughs> just like, I just want work to show up and do the work. I just want to do my work. Like, and you know, and it's like, well, wait a second. If you're a business owner, your work is building the business. It's not writing code. Yeah. Well, so, so I have no problem with that because I actually would like to spend less time, you know, kind of showing up and grinding away. And it just feels like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Like, I don't even know what I'm giving these people value. In fact, <laughs> like they're paying me something, but <laughs> yeah. An- another way, you know, I know we have to wrap up, but as the, another way for people who do have clients to find out what value it is that they're providing is to ask them for testimonials with that six question format. And, mm-hmm. and it's reliable that you'll be shocked by the answer. It's like reliably a higher level and more value oriented than you normally get in like a, a LinkedIn recommendation or whatever those things are called. Like, on Oh, LinkedIn, okay. Interesting. Yeah, Cause link- my LinkedIn recommendations have been like, Oh, she'd make a great employee goes above and beyond, you know, like <laughs> right. great. Yeah. Right. right. They're, they're always like, they're, they're almost like uh, uh backhanded compliments or like, yeah. <laughs> you know, or like she, she's got, you know, she's always on time. She never, right. makes ta- she never talks down to us and really reliable. And, and it's like, okay, but how did she transform your business? That's yeah. why you have, because people, it's a hard thing to do. I don't know if you've ever had to give a recommendation, but it's hard if you don't have any direction from the person mm-hmm. to know what's going to help them the most. So you end up defaulting to these platitudes about their, their professional hygiene. So <laughs> it's like, oh, reliable, like, duh. Like, yeah. you know, it's like saying she's professional. Yeah. But if you use these questions, then you can go down the list. And for people listening, I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, but if you, if you present them with the, if you say, hey, I'd love it if I could get some feedback about the work we did and maybe a testimonial. And they say, sure. And you say, uh, and you, you say, sorry, you say, Hey, I'd like to get some feedback about the work we did together. Would it be okay if I sent across some questions and they'll say, sure. Yeah, that was great. And then you send across the questions in a second email. That's important. And they can answer them and the, the questions will guide them to create like a perfect testimonial. Okay. One with numbers in it and their doubts that were then reversed by the engagement and the benefits not the deliverables, but the benefits to them, usually they'll be quantified in some way, either absolute or relative. And mm-hmm. it creates these great, great, powerful testimonials that that strangers in the future who come to your website who are maybe sniffing around will identify with and be like, oh yeah, that's exactly where we are right now. And, and that person was nervous about hiring her, but look what ended up happening. It's the best thing they ever did, right? <laughs> 
So is uh, it uh, is it acceptable to do this with existing clients? Current, you mean active clients? Yes. Um, usually, what I would do with active clients is it's if it's just staff augmentation and it's this ongoing thing, then you need you want to look for some kind of trigger that would make it make sense. So hmm. it could be something like you know you finish a big feature. And they say, hey, could you present this to the board? Because you you were the one that really did it. And we're super happy with the way it came out. We want you to get the credit. So maybe that's a maybe that's a little over the top. But if you release some feature and someone's like, man, that that is great. I am super happy with that. And you say, wow, thanks. That'd be great. Hey, I'm updating my website. Would you mind if I you know quoted you or could I could I um, uh, send you over some questions to, to kind of talk about the work that we've done together to date? and see mm -hmm. you know see what you think if it's a staff og position it might be a little awkward but it's not i mean i'm i'm pretty close to the the guy the product owner basically in a couple of projects like one layer below or mm, you cool. know so yeah so if there's it's a little weird if you're like mid-flight and there's like a lot of pressure because something's running late or something like that but if there's a mm -hmm. pause or a release or you just hit a milestone or or a launch and uh, it goes live and people are having like a celebration of some kind or like a, even just a recognition that, man, that's great that we got that done and it came out so good. Isn't everybody happy with that? That's mm -hmm. usually good timing. Um, okay. if, you, if you don't want to wait for something like that, you could say something like, hey, Bob, I'm, I'm working with a business coach or I'm going through this uh, business course and it's, I'm sorry, it's super awkward. I feel uncomfortable doing this, but um, one of our exercises, we're supposed to ask people for, um, to, to answer some questions about the work okay. we're doing potentially for a testimonial. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so they're not, so it's not completely out of the blue. There's some explanation as to why mm -hmm. it's, you know. And... Yeah. Uh, my problem is that I've been working for a couple clients for almost a year now. And it seems like they're, you know, they're not ending. I had, I had expected them to end at some point and they're not ending. And like, the only way I can end it is like me stepping away. Yeah. And I would rather not just go get another contract after that. I want to do something right. more valuable. <laughs> right, right. So if these are kind of like open-ended monthly or hourly things, right. then it's kind of like, well, maybe uh, if they're taking up like 40 hours a week. Or they're not, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm good. I mean, I'm, I have a relaxed life, but, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that's great because then you don't have to worry about the cash flow issue. And then on the side... I mean, look, it's service, right? So if you don't know who you want to help, it's really hard to, to you got two choices. You can either be that horizontal specialist, which requires that you're kind of like a worldwide expert if you want to attract leads, yeah. mm -hmm. recognized expert, maybe top 10 in the world of this really niche, weird, tiny little thing. It wouldn't be Kotlin. It would be something like, it would be something like, um, God, I can't like like login systems with MySQL or SQL injection attacks or like something really specific, mm -hmm. and you're like the go-to person for it. Yeah. Um, you know, setting up here's someone I just talked to. Uh, they all they do is set up clusters on AWS <laughs> for bioinformatics. Okay. That's it. Yeah. And and she makes a ton of money doing it. So it's okay. like, hmm. you know, hopefully I'm not outing you. Hopefully I didn't just out her. <laughs> her yeah, right. everybody's going to immediately go rush oh, and do that, rush. right? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I think she's got such a moat around her that it would be impossible. 
but um, anyway, the idea is it need to be hyper specific and 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 you're you're betting on something that could turn. I feel like the odds are much higher that you'll bet on the wrong thing versus finding people who you like and would like to help. And then the bet is the bet is that they might have a problem that you can solve. And I feel like those odds are always going to be higher. Right. But maybe it's just me, but I feel like those odds are higher and you end up working with people you like because you pick people you like in the first place. So, yeah. you know, so here, you... here's an example, though, like suppose I picked an audience and I was like, well, I love to do the jumble every day. You know, there's little word puzzles in yeah, the yeah, newspaper. I'm like, yeah. you know what? I like these. You know, I like this so much. I'd love to help people like myself. I'm going to niche down on people who like to play, the, you know, to do the jumble. <laughs> okay. And it's like, you know wait a second, there's, there's no money in that market. It's like, you know, I could tell you, like, I feel like I could tell you right now, that's not going to work because there's no money there. Well, that would be, so, okay, this is a good question. So like, yeah. this is, that would be a B to C. Those people aren't running a business. Right. So, so, but I'm, that's interesting you brought that up. So that would be, I would call that a psychographic specialization. Sorry, a psychographic okay. niche. And, uh, and it's people who behave a particular way, like uh, people, you know, tree huggers or, you know, what, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah. Like people who like to do the crossword or the jumble or Sudoku or whatever. So, right. all right, that's B to C. So B to C looks like and you know, business to consumer, or direct to consumer. Yeah. So you would be selling stuff like a book of more jumbles or a create your own jumble application or a uh, do a, an app that where people could race against each other to do jumbles. <laughs> I mean, I love all those ideas, actually, but I'm pretty sure Jumble's trademark, so I probably, sure. probably couldn't yeah, do that. Right. It's You'd a have, cool idea, though. I'm, it probably is. Words, it's like words with friends. It's like, can't call yeah. it Scrabble, but it's it's yeah. like... Uh, so you could do something like that. But yeah. B2C is a, whole, a different animal. Different animal. So if we're talking B2B, you want to... You you know, could be uh, people who own thoroughbred horses. Yeah. Or... Um, whatever people that people that uh, ski at least three times a year or wait now that, how is that b2b i'm sorry or were you talking b2c now b2c sorry uh you're right people so, who ski three times a year yeah that one would That's be more like b2c I, I shouldn't have said people i, I want i want to talk to to uh, business owners who ski at least three times a year that's b2b yes that would in what yeah. I, swear, well, so, I don't understand that. Um, you're right. It's, this is kind of abstract, but it, yeah, yeah. I'm using skiing. I'm using skiing as a um, if you were if you were into skiing mm -hmm. and you wanted to uh, you wanted to connect with business owners that uh, that you were gonna like, mm. and you you take skiing as a psychographic, mm -hmm. then you could say, okay, business owners. It's like a potential role at Expo. It's like, hey, or people who go on cruises. So the so if you if you this this is I this is super abstract. It does work, but it is really it's an abstract example. If you wanted to go after business owners who had whose hair wasn't on fire, yeah, you would go for people who vacation quite a bit that run a business. So if they ski like a lot, or if they go on cruises a lot, so if, and and if you reached out to your network and say, hey, do you know anybody that owns a business and goes on a lot of cruises? Because hmm. they okay. would know they would know which ones are their friends. They could answer that question. The uh -huh. question they probably can't answer is like, do you know any business owners who are, are pretty well organized or get have a lot of profit? Uh -huh. Let's let's say you're a financial planner okay. and you want to talk to business owners who have a lot of money to play with. Yeah. How would you know that? You would know that if they're going on vacation all the time. So it's it's okay. a proxy. It's a proxy for like a, a private reality, a private um, something that's hard to see from the outside. 
but you're right. It's, okay. not the, it's not the greatest example for the question you asked. Um, it'd be more like uh, the vertical, obviously the vertical. It's like people who run um, like a laundromat. That's really easy. Do you know anybody that runs a laundromat? Do you know a dentist? Everybody knows a dentist. Yeah. So there's that. Then there's a psychographic, which is like, do you know anybody who's running a business that is um, a B Corp or a or green or that gives back more than 50% of their sales to the community or, you know, something mm -hmm. like that. That So that's not a particular kind of business. It's a particular kind of philosophy. So it, it boils down to like um, the, the easiest way to, f to pick one is just pick people you like that run a business. It, it really like it, flip it around. Are there any types of businesses you wouldn't work with? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. So make that list and then say, well, wait a second. Okay. If I wanted to be pickier and pickier and add more and more people to this list, you'd probably get a combination of industries and like profit motive or values. Mm -hmm. So then you could kind of reverse engineer like, okay, what's the opposite of all these? And say, okay, what's what's the opposite of, you know, I, I don't even want to like guess at things, but like you can imagine people don't want to, I don't know, um, work with like clients in the porn industry or, right. you know, use like cigarettes or, or yeah. You know, make a make a big long list of clients you or that you know. Uh, Rochelle talked about one recently on Business of Authority. She she has a client who's like no guns, like okay. she won't work with anybody that's in the defense or or weapons industry. Okay. So you could make a huge list of stuff that you'd rather not work with, and then just keep making it bigger and say, okay, what's what's common about all this stuff, and then flip it to the reverse and be like, is that you know, like oh well, maybe this is this is where I should go, and it it might not be. Um, It'll probably be a combination of like vertical, but also intent or psychographic. Like what's their, what's an impact, the impact that they're trying to make and that you can get behind. Can you give me a, so suppose I, I don't know, your thoroughbred example, like, you know, people who raise thoroughbreds. So I, I guess I could see, so that I could see how you could, you could think, well, I'll talk to a bunch of people and I'll see what their problems are because their problems are going to be similar. But if I talk to business owners who like, like to to ski, for example, that's talking about, you know, something they do on the side kind of, which seems like, you know, I'm sure there are lots of different in, people in different industries that like to ski. Yeah. Don't, how, don't how get hung, I... Yeah. Don't get hung up okay. on that example. It was not the greatest okay. example. <laughs> okay. yeah. 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 But if you, but if make, I think it'd be more productive to make a list of businesses you wouldn't work with and like, what are the reasons and then reverse it and say, okay, these are the kinds of businesses I want to go after. But it, it does at some point, you know, and you can just reach out to like your closest circle of friends and family and say like, do you know anybody like this? And if they say no, you know, it's not specific enough. So you just have to get more specific because everybody knows a million people these days. Mm -hmm. Okay. Know, so yeah. So just not, just not me. I'm, I, I, my network is kind of crappy, but yeah, I could, I could certainly talk to family. Yeah. I mean, friends. it's like everybody has so many connect, you know, social media or whatever. It's, I mean, what, what would you have done in the eighties <laughs> phone book? <laughs> You know, it was like, yeah. that was it. <laughs> yeah. phone book and chamber of commerce. <laughs> it's way easy. Like LinkedIn is like a gift from heaven. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Everybody's just yeah, there. I, I listened to your, I think it was the podcast with George Stalker where you talked about sales navigator or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm not familiar with that, but I, yeah, I was thinking I mean, it's about just advanced search for business characteristics. Yeah. So like, you know, 50 to 100 employees that does over $100 million a year in the Miami area that do uh, civil engineering. Boom. Here's 50. Mm -hmm. 
here's a hundred, here's five hundred. The, the, the mm. thing is, you got to know, you got to know who you care about. Who do you, so it's like my my business philosophy: help people you like get what they want. That that's the whole strategy: <laughs> help people you like get what they want. So if mm. you don't know who you like, you can't know what they want. So you got to start with who do you like? Who would you mm -hmm. like to help? And then find out what they need help with. And sometimes if you if you come at it from this angle, you might find that there's something that you can help them with that you've never done before and you need to increase, improve your skills there. So you have to be a little bit fluid with your identity, your business identity. If you really want to help these people, like somebody who runs nonprofits that help the homeless, like you really want to help these people, they don't mm -hmm. need Java, maybe. <laughs> maybe they don't, maybe they do. But you talk to them and what are the problems? And they're like, you know what, I can help you with that. And I can do it in a way that's low cost to me so that I can price it in a way that it's profitable to you. Mm -hmm. And it could be that you end up in a whole new place, but doing something for people you really like that's more profitable. Okay. Yeah. So, right. So like as you get more specific in one, on one part of this equation that you might end up getting less specific on the other end of the equation so that there's some, some because you got to find overlap. So like you've got this circle of people that you want to help and then you've got this circle of your existing skills, talents and skills and right, stuff. Yeah. If there's no overlap, then you got to make one of those circles bigger or mm -hmm. different. So Okay. Anyway, I don't know if this has been helpful at all, but <laughs> Yeah, it has. Thank you. <laughs> well, good. Well, hopefully it's been helpful to the dear listener as well. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, we should wrap up. So that'll be it for this time. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I hope you join me again next time on Ditching Hourly. Bye. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one -on -one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com call. Hope to see you there.